Hey there, you're listening to Making Spaces, the podcast about community, culture, and making new connections, hosted by my good Judy, my friend and yours, Sarah Heath. On this podcast, we're having conversations about design, literally making spaces, and how some of the most inclusive spaces aren't always the most inviting. And we're talking about what it means to make space for one another. With the world the way it is right now, we need to find ways to have conversations across lines of radical difference. So join Sarah each week as she tackles the intersection of design and practical spirituality with conversations with some of the most fabulous guests you're ever going to meet. Some will talk about actual design, some of us will talk about relational design, but no matter what, it's an incredible time. So grab yourself a cup of whatever you like, and welcome to Making Spaces with Sarah Heath. This is exciting. Did you put on lipstick since we left work? I had lipstick on at work. Oh, that's true, but you reapplied. You look lovely. Um, Okay, friends, welcome to season two of the Making Spaces podcast. This season is going to be so different and yet the same as the first season, because now I have a co-host who not only is lovely, but can dance. Um, I have a co-host, uh, Josie. Uh, Josie, some know you as Josephine. Uh, Josie is an artist. She is a creative. She basically knit, like the pillows behind her, she knit. Uh, she is someone who actually, we worked together at a church um, and I can't wait to share our story of how we got to know each other. But Josie is an incredible space maker for lots of reasons. She's also really sassy. She is an Enneagram 8 with, as she would say, high self-esteem. So we work well together. And so we thought it would be fun. I thought it would be fun. If you're going to do a show about needing other people, why not do it with other people? And we're recording this when it is like 100 degrees right now. I can't relate. I have air conditioning rude i don't so like my lip sweat is being recorded and it's totally fine um josie <laughs> since this is your first time on the show first time listener first time caller long time listener um i'm gonna ask you we're gonna start people can get to know you i'm literally whip- wiping the sweat off my lip um for those of you who aren't watching the zoom on youtube um we're gonna start where um i start with most guests which is where is your favorite space and why because we want people to get to know you um, I want people to know me, of course. That's true. I, <laughs> my favorite space would have to be my apartment mm. um, for multiple reasons. One, because I designed it. And by designed it, I mean haphazardly threw it together with my broke post-grad finances and having to cater to my new partners, new married partners, <laughs> preferences you know not very much but just a little bit um it is my favorite space because i grew up in a home with a mother who also has obsessive compulsive disorder as do i but she has the kind where you can eat off any surface in her home at any time i don't know what you're talking about (laughs) the Um, and she has like not very many personalized touches in her home. There's Mm -hmm. not a lot of family pictures. It's all kind of catered to the way that she wants to live her life, which, you know, 
you do you mom but that was not what I wanted in my home I wanted it to be inviting and just a touch chaotic um and here it is yeah so you're granny chic granny chic it's like granny mod chic elevated granny elevated granny we've just developed a whole new design um area um so the wall behind you your uh your partner he works in painting well Uh, he works in the chemistry behind yes we should say i should say that so her husband is he's the kind of guy that can cook amazingly because he's actually a chemist so he loved that color that is behind you and you worked it into your um, design which was not your favorite thing to do no i hate teal with a burning passion in my soul i hate teal teal had a moment a few years ago teal and had I a was- moment <laughs> Kind of like mustard right now, and I'm not into it. I mean, I, I like mustard. mustard. But this is our first fight. I like not mustard. Our I first avoid recorded it. fight. We fight I avoid all the time. mustard, so I don't have to hate it. Like I hate teal mm. and purple. <laughs> purple. Well, guys, she's already. I like probably made some of you really angry. Um, feel free to write in. Feel free to review. Feel free. I'm always ready to fight. Um, Josie. I love that you love your space. I love that so much. We have like really different design style, but we appreciate the other ones. I am, um, although this is like my most, this is the room that has the most things in it. Um, It is homey. It is homey. It is. It's all white and gold, which is kind of my thing right now. But you know, my mom doesn't have books written by her friends. She has. Oh yeah. I have an entire uh, right here. A living room you can't sit in. That's what I mean. Does she have plastic? No, that's not bougie. Oh, right. She's bougie too. Real bouge. Real bouge. Um, so Josie, along with being an artist and being someone who I think has like four Etsy pages and also being my admin who is my literal brain, she's also the person who like teaches me how to be mean. She'll be like, you have to do this. And I've been really lucky. I've had a couple of admin people who... Can I say they're, like, they're kind of like my backbone in some ways because I'm a bit of a softie. That's not me. I know softy. I know. When I was actually interviewing you uh, to take up an admin position, my favorite part of the interview was when I said, you know, some of our staff members aren't really, uh, like, they don't give you a lot of affirmation. And you you, like pause me and you're like, "Um, I'm an Enneagram 8 with a really healthy self-esteem. I'm good. (laughs) I don't need your words of affirmation. And I'm like, I need all the words of affirmation. (laughs) Every five minutes, somebody tell me that I'm okay. Um, so our personalities are so different, but we get along so well. Um, and you bring out the best and worst in me. It's so great. But along with doing all those things, you also are a huge advocate for people. And you wrote up this lovely thing about why that means so much for me or for you. So you wrote it up for me, but it's about you. So could you share a little bit about kind of like how you got to this point of advocacy, maybe a little bit about your background, um, for those who aren't seeing you but are hearing you you can share a little bit about your background that's made it particularly important people are now curious now check out the youtube channel because maybe josie has a third eye you don't know okay go ahead josie <laughs> maybe only spiritually do i have a third eye oh uh, dear <laughs> uh so the reason why i think i am so passionate about advocating aggressively for other people is because I felt like there was no one to advocate for me growing up um, within my home context. 
I did have people that advocated for me in a school context, which, you know, kind of affirmed this notion of other people can be in your life outside of your family. I know that a big thing for some people is that family is everything. And while I love my family dearly, they are not everything to me. I have friends, I have colleagues, I have expanded my flood, blood, flood, bloodline uh, to include people that are not necessarily related to me. Um, and as somebody who has felt um, victimized, marginalized by even the system of the United States of America, uh, <laughs> I have decided that I did not want people to have to suffer and deal with the same things that I had to or things that I've never experienced, but I don't want them to suffer in general. So I guess it's just a, I could have either come out a real big B-I-T-C-H or I could have come out compassionate. Hey, she's working really hard on not cussing as much because um, one thing I say is I don't want to edit people. So I don't mind if you like cuss and I cuss in real life. We all know this, um, but we also don't want to like upset or frustrate people because our language is potty because we do have a lot of ex-church people or current church people who are trying to do things a little bit differently and so there's still that like why would you talk about church stuff um you know with with those words but um we we both are very passionate so sometimes the bad potty words come out uh so i was recently informed by you angrily not really but that your mm -hmm. first language is actually spanish Yes, it is. I'm not very good at it. I mean, I'm good at it. I'm just not very intelligent in Spanish anymore. Because it was your first language. And because in America, speaking Spanish is problematic, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> you, uh, so you grew up in a Hispanic family. Yes. In uh, Orange County, mostly? Or where did you grow up? I'm making you tell where you grew oh, up. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Don't you ever say I grew up in Orange County ever again. Okay, first of all, Orange County's fine. Uh, yes, it is fine. I live in Orange County now. But I grew up in Los Angeles County, California, uh, Southgate specifically, if you guys know where that is. Um, and I went to school up until the third grade in Paramount Unified School District. And then I went to Downey Unified School District. Her social security number is, I'm just kidding, we're giving them a lot of background. <laughs> I love it. Uh, so yeah, basic gist is I grew up in Los Angeles, California. And so when you think about like your trajectory, so you grew up in Los Angeles and then you went to college at a Christian college, um, but you grew up in a, when your family did church, what kind of church environment before you went to college did you grow up Ooh. in? Ooh. Sarah knows exactly where this is going. I grew up in a very Hispanic, very charismatic Pentecostal church. I love <laughs> in it. In the hood. In the deep hood. That's uh, where I went to church growing up. And so then you went to a Christian college. Were yep. you the first kid in your family? No, because your sister is older. So Yeah, my she, sister went to college first. And she went yes. to like a state school-ish, right? Yeah, she went to a California Polytechnic university I don't know Cal Poly I don't know. Pomona whatever it is yeah that's all I know it is uh she's yeah. an it's interesting because she's an architect yes so you come from a family of people who literally make space because what does your dad do he is a roofer with a passion for remodeling everything including trailers 
Yes. Yep. Um, I just bought a travel trailer, which is going to become a lot of this story. I bought an Airstream, uh, which is that the whitest thing I've ever done, Josie? Mm, no. Hiking and backpacking is the whitest thing you've ever done. <laughs> she just, we had lunch together uh, after a meeting and she literally was like, I just don't think, I think only white people backpack, which I don't, is not true. People of color, please write in. People of whatever, please write in and say, no, I'm a backpacker. She just is like, no, I camp, but I set up. I don't hike towards where I'm going to camp. Yeah, I go to the place, I drive up to my spot, and I put my tent there. Make a little fire, drink a little beer, and chillax. I'm not trying to traverse the mother effing wilderness over here. (laughs) Whereas I like work towards it and then have the beer. Mm-mm-mm-mm-mm. Make space for me, Josie. Make space for my kind of camping. My partner, who is a white man, can go with you. That's fine. (laughs) That's the space I'm making. (laughs) She tried to, I hope Ryan's listening to this. She tried to convince me to not let her go on vacation. No vacation time because he had wanted, he wants to do this really like wildernessly vacation. And you're like, can you just tell him I can't go? Okay. This white man, (laughs) mind you, most serial killers are white men. All right. Not to say that he is, but I'm not taking that chance. He wants to take me to an island Mm. where there's only 10 camping spots off the coast of California. There's no Coast Guard. There's no little ranger station. I don't know. I actually don't know that. But mind you, it's remote and I'm not down. No. Yeah. She's pretty convinced that her husband, who she's been with, how long have you been with your partner? Two years. Two years. Um, has he shown any signs of being a serial other than being a white male? No, who but you know that the, the other eight white people that are there might be. It's not him, it's the other ones. (laughs) Josie, I think one of the episodes of this should be me and you going camping and designing our dream camping zone. All right, let's do it. Yours would be like three feet from the front door (laughs) (laughs) and have all the stuff. And I would be like, let's go. And we would traverse and we would portage, which means canoe, moving a canoe from place to place. Um, I like to canoe. But do you want to carry the canoe from one no, area no, to another? No, 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 no. I didn't no, think so. No. I didn't think so. All right. So you're when you think about art and you think about space, because um, what really happened is you went, what really happened? I'm telling you your story. I'm getting you to tell your story. Uh, you grew up in that situation. Then you move from that church to going to a not conservative, but not not conservative. You go into a Christian college. It's about half and half. half. Yeah, yeah. Um, And you studied art there. I did. I studied art at a Christian college. What was that like? Did you just do a lot of paintings of Jesus or? (laughs) I'm just kidding. Mm. Hands praying. No, luckily, I had this really um, serendipitous way of finding all the most liberal spaces on campus and nestling in them. So I was part of the art department which I then got a job in. And then I also had a job in the Center for Student Action, which is kind of like the mission-y, service office, right. but with a very liberal views on everything. Okay. For the most part. But you were still surrounded by kids who had grown up mostly in like evangelical spaces, evangelical. I'm learning yes. to say evangelical like Americans do, which is evangelical, not evangelical. You right? evangelize. 
so then wouldn't it be evangelical? Evangelical. No, you evangelize. E so evangelical. Evangelical um, settings. Uh, and so that kind of, I think when I met you, I definitely had this sense like, okay, here's someone who has been surrounded by people who are different than her. Um, and you're an introvert naturally, yeah? Yes. Um, and so you are, when I look at your friends and I look at the people you make space for, they are very diverse from people you would expect if you were going to draw, like here is your typical Southern Californian, um, to, you know, here's someone who I, you know, I have no idea how you know this person. Do you think there's always been for you, like such a heart for people who are kind of outside, um, maybe what was the cultural norm? Do you think college started that? Do you think it was growing up in a Hispanic family? Like, what do you feel like created this like drive you have to always be pulling people in, even as an introvert? Um, I think, I mean, I'm a pretty social introvert, you know, I just like my own space, but I also really like other people. But I think growing up in a diverse Los Angeles is as diverse as it can probably get, right? Um, and my high school was diverse. A lot of people like point to high school towards where their social like connections kind of come up. And my social connections, I mean, I was in the marching band. Mm-mm-mm. So you get a t- <laughs> I was in the marching band for a day. It's hard. I, I got yelled at, it. and I'm Canadian, so I moved to the Mississippi, and they yelled uh, like they. That's just when I moved to Mississippi, and like they took marching band so seriously i'd only ever been in an orchestra before so day one they start yelling at me and i li- i and i just learned so mississippi when i went to high school in the dark ages um we have a slight age difference between us but when i went to high school in the dark ages like i'm pretty sure i could be your mother but um they like still had corporal punishment and i had never heard of that and so I remember marching out of marching band my first one day, one day of band, because you guys do summer camp thing yes. that everyone has to do. And you're really mean to freshmen because that's like a very American thing. You're like, you got to haze people. Um, and so I got in my mom's car and it's like my first time of trying my first big American thing. I had joined the marching band and my mom looked at me and was like, how was it? And I was like, if anyone lays a finger on me, I am suing them. And so that was my marching band experience. I did it for a day. Orchestra girl was not ready for the marching band. Plus I was a soccer player and did drama. So I didn't have time anyway. But so you, that was your social sphere was your band. What else did you do in a high school? Um, so those are the people that I spent the most time with. I was in choir, which I got kicked out of, which is a whole different conversation that we'll have at a later date. Okay. But um, <laughs> so my my high school is diverse in the marching band because lots of different types of kids like right. free PE credits that are more typical <laughs> than PE anyway. Or and music, maybe. Music, they might also right. like music. Mm-hmm. Right. Sure. Yeah. Um, so my friends were always very diverse i mean it's funny because ryan and i talk about food in different contexts and so i'm like i really want filipino food today he's like when have you ever had filipino food i'm like well i've had lots of filipino friends so um a lot i've had a lot of filipino food ryan um she's so kind to her partner they're actually the sweetest couple ever but she loves to sass him but if if he's gone for more than a day she's like i can't live without him (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> okay, well, he's trapped me because he feeds me and he's I don't cook really for myself. Chef. 
So now I don't know how to feed myself. So yeah, I'm good trapped. Move. Good move. <laughs> um, and then going into college, I saw immediately that that was not the case with anybody else. My college was pretty segregated in really? the friend group department. Yeah, I mean, because you had like ethnic organizations. So you had like the Black Student Association. You had the Latin Student Association. You had the Armenian Student Association. Um, and people kind of kept to those groups for safety reasons also because Christianity is not necessarily super safe for different types of people. Mm. Um, and you don't have to be Christian to attend Azusa Pacific University is where I went in Azusa, California, Los Angeles County. Um, and so I saw that and I was immediately like, I don't, this is I not taught what I'm a class there, by the way. And there was a um, Applebee's across the street where I went and had lunch because I had not seen an Applebee's mm-hmm. in years. It turns out it's exactly like I remembered it. So just to oh, tell. Yeah. Applebee's is fine. If they want to sponsor us, great. I realize I keep drinking my sparkling water brand that I'm trying to cover up what it is. But um, okay. So yes, across, you're at Azusa Pacific. Everything is segregated-ish. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I've just decided that that was not, I'm pretty friendly. I mean, I'm kind of a B-I-T-C-H pause for dramatic bitch you're fine i'm a real big bitch but um i'm pretty nice i mean i i like people so i kind of invite people in as they come so i've done the different types of friend groups and um even i mean i'm super liberal i'm i'm as liberal as it come right but i have a ton of conservative friends who i like to argue with on a probably daily basis at this point um because you know why not? Also, note on the Applebee's, I've definitely gotten drunk a lot there in college. <laughs> oh, Josie. Dollar I probably, margaritas. I probably was having a glass of wine before teaching a class at Azusa Pacific. Um, I just taught like a night class I helped out there. It was great. I actually loved it. I loved the students. They were amazing. Um, one of the things I would love for us to talk about as we get to know each other more and kind of what this whole project has been about is how do we make space for people? How do we also break down some of the boundaries and barriers? One of the things I struggle with is um, this idea that like we have to have, I the, the first campus ministry I worked in, um, we were not designated by you know ethnicity or whatever it might be, but there was an organization on campus called Campus Crusade and they were, there was Campus Crusade Filipino, Campus Crusade Japanese, Campus Crusade, right? And it just felt to me like it just kept othering people until like, then there was just Campus Crusade. And guess what Campus Crusade was? Just crew at that time. They were now crew. Um, they were all white people. Um, and I feel like it continues to create these walls and barriers and boundaries. And we, we won't just be talking about church. We're going to be talking about design and why design matters and how spatial, when we're creating spaces, it, it really matters how we think through it. We're not experts, but we are in some ways. I mean, as women who don't always own our expertise, I will own that I have been doing this work for 15 years. And um, I currently pastor a place that has diverse uh, folks in it. I would say we're always working to expand those circles. You can never say you're done in that. Um, and I'm, I am such an avid, curious learner. But there are some places, um, even design-wise, that I have expertise. And I'm excited for you to bring your expertise to the table. Um, as someone who studied art and studied design and why 
certain things uh, create a feeling within people. Um, when you think about sort of your integrating that, um, your art side with your passion for advocacy, because you do that, um, can you explain a little bit how you've done that, your art and your advocacy? Yeah, so I think one of the most tangible ways I did that was I wrote a book uh, on po- it was a poetry book. It was called On Love, and it was all about like this different types, like the different types of love that you can experience, and love as being like this really raw and not always pretty, kind of like gruesome and a little dramatic, but also a little cynical. And I wrote all of these poems with just like an idea of love because at the time I had never been in love I had never known what that was Hmm. and to me that was me as a woman saying like screw you I don't need to know this I don't need your idea of what this romantic love is I can just make it up for myself and I can just make it up Uh, so that was one Uh, on the other hand I as a writer, I write tons of essays and I'm working on a, another book about how the evangelical church really screwed me over and how it continues to screw over um, people of color and women especially. Um, what else do I do? Well, I was just thinking your actual art that makes space for people in that like you create these um, beautiful watercolors with um, oh, yes. writing and you they're beautiful, but sometimes they have really profound sayings on them. Um, do, you, do you even realize that you're making, you're doing that? Is, is it an intentional choice or do you think it's just so second nature to you? Didn't, you didn't even think of that one as the first one. Uh, so those are my doodles. I think a lot of times I get stuck in this idea of like high art and fine art and forget about things that I consider to be doodles. But those watercolors I do with um intuitive feelings so I just kind of like assess how I'm feeling I pick a color that I feel addresses that feeling and then Mm -hmm. I just mush them together I mean I don't mush them they're nicer than that (laughs) and then so those are those are one thing right and then I listen to music intentionally and whenever I hear a lyric that I like I go through and I repeat it over and over in my head and then I find a watercolor that matches that lyric so it's like a morphing of the feelings that these musicians wanted to attribute to their music and the feelings that I choose to mix them with. Mm. That makes sense. Totally. It's an aesthetic uh, mixed with words. So right. I love music so much uh, and particularly lyrics. I'll never forget um, being on a date with a guy and he's like, it's so fascinating to me how you know the lyrics. And I was like, oh, but to me, it's like poetry. I think poetry and music say the words I often can't say and they express the things I often can't. And then artists and art in the same way can express the thing I want to say, but I don't know how to say. Um, Mm -hmm. And so I think what I love is seeing those things mesh together. And in a weird way, it makes space for thoughts and feelings and words that I may not even know that I need to make space for yet. Um, And oftentimes, like when we're in strife or as a community, you wait for the poet, you wait for the artist um, to speak because it gives words, it gives moments. Uh, you know, there's a, a scripture, says Pastor Sarah, uh, that says, you know, it, it, when we can't give words to something, the spirit groans, like when we, when we can't give words. And I think that's what an artist often does. And spaces often are telling a story. And so I'm excited for this season. Um, 
a couple of things are going to be different. We're going to try to have a lot more participation, audience participation, because I think that's um, a really important part of what we're trying to do. We don't want to just make space for you to hear me talk to friends as we talk about ideas we have, um, but also how do we how do we make space for uh, you know other people to think through this stuff? And we want to hear your you, my friends. We're calling you space makers, space makers, which is better than like space cadets. But space makers, how mm. are you seeing spaces being made? What are the spaces you love and value? Um, what are the things that you're thinking through? What are the questions you have about your space? It could be your personal space. It can be the community space you meet in. Um, what are the places and spaces you think are missing? Um, from your neighborhood, from your community, whatever it might be. So we're going to have some more questions and that kind of stuff in there. Every week, we're going to ask you to submit like a space maker story, either someone who's doing a great job making spaces. They could be architects. They could be designers. They could be pastors. They could be rabbis. I could go on forever. Artists, whatever it might be. Um, we're excited. We've got some really fun guests already lined up. So we're going rare to go. The other thing that's really exciting is our faces as I sweat. Um, we're going to be recording like this so that people can have a visual. Um, and we're going to ask our guests to come on as well in this way. Um, sorry about this, but I talk with a pop. So we have to have a pop thing. Once I figure out how to not have this be so big or like a better angle, this is not my best. Um, it'll look even better. And we'll laugh at that time that we recorded in the start. Um, so those are the things I can think of. Are there other things that we want to share with our, with our, our audience? Our audience. Uh, <laughs> um be prepared i um you know i i'm a new voice she's savage and i yeah i'll i'll tear you apart i'm just kidding that's not true she's like the kindest human i'm a teddy bear on the inside deep uh, down yeah i'm excited for people to get to know you because you are such a space maker and you're also a space taker in a really good way yeah i will i will make my own space i don't need somebody to give it to me <laughs> This is so good uh, for folks to hear, and I'm excited about it not just being one voice, like one thought. So here's what I would love for you to do. I would love for you to go onto our YouTube and subscribe. We have 130-something subscribers already. I hadn't looked in a really long time. We're up to that already. Um, you, you, Right now, you can find us at YouTube-RevSirHeath. And you can find most information about me at RevSirHeath, but also about the Making Spaces show right now there. Uh, how can people find you on the Instagrams, lady? Uh, my Instagram is Josie Takes the World, which is, you know, again... Making so my own space. Mm -hmm. Taking it. At. Um uh yeah, Instagram. Best Instagram, way. Best way to find her. And we are grateful to Stephen Burnett from the Cult Podcast, who is actually editing our um, audio for us if you're listening to this through your ear holes. Um subscribe on YouTube. Subscribe on however you catch your pods, whether it be Apple Podcasts, what are other ways? Stitcher. Mm -hmm. Or you can just go to our anchor, anchor.fm dash Rev Sarah Heath, and you can find the Making Spaces podcast. You can subscribe and comment, and that's how other people can find us. It means a lot to us. It is really helpful for us. Thank you to uh, our sponsors who you heard little tiny commercials for. I don't actually know how we put commercials in a YouTube. I guess we don't. We just put it in the oral thing. So if you're only listening with your listening ears holes, you're only gonna, you're the ones who get to hear the commercials. Yay. 
Anything else, Dizzy, before we sign off? We've been trying to figure out how we're going to sign off, but I think... Yeah, I already already forgot it. I think we're going to say, we'll see you next week. We'll see you next week. And we'll be saving a place for you. Cute. Oh, you're ridiculous. All right. Thank you, friends, for listening. I cannot wait. And next week, we have a great guest. So just get excited. We're recording some of my favorite people in the next two weeks. So it's going to be fun. All right. Have a great week. Bye.